Welcome back. This is High Point Online. Thrilled to be here with you today. You already heard, if you were with us at the very beginning before worship started, um, obviously we're online today, but next Sunday we are back at the historic church in downtown Kennesaw uh, for our second in-person service together at our new location. We're pumped, thrilled, can't wait to be part of that with you, but you do need to register. I know you've already heard this. I'm just reminding you. And with that, we're going to get into the message today. Let's jump straight in. <clears throat> what makes you angry? I know that's a doozy of a question. What makes you just lose it? For some of you, you're having to sit here and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, I don't get angry a whole lot. You know, some of you have an answer immediately. For some of you, it's traffic. Right? You live in Atlanta. This is, this is a bad city to live in if traffic makes you angry. But for some of you, you know what I mean. When sitting in traffic, bumper to bumper, you just, it's like claustrophobia hits in and you just start to lose your sanity, right? You get angry. For some of you, you get angry when you hear other people chew and eat food. You just want to harm them when you hear another person eat. This is a real thing. This is an absolute real thing. Some of you get angry when the umpire blows the call at the baseball game. Now, for some of you right now, I'm getting close to home right now because if you watch baseball, there have already been some pretty massively blown calls that have taken place and people have lost their junk over it. We all get angry. Today's message is literally about anger management. What do we do when we find ourselves angry? And here's what I want to encourage you. If you stick around all the way to the end of the message today, I've got a tip, just practical living tip that just might save a relationship or two. So stick around. Uh, it's going to be a good time uh, today. Turn to the book of Ephesians in your Bible. We've been in 1 Corinthians 13, and we've been talking about how to love one another well and to love like Jesus. Obviously, we want to do that. We want to, we want to strive to love like Christ loves. But sometimes we get stuck in this trap of thinking that any other emotion that, that doesn't feel fuzzy or warm or gentle in the moment, that somehow that cannot be of God. And I have good news for you today. Anger, it is an emotion, it's a God-given emotion, and just because you feel angry does not mean that you are in sin. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. In fact, if, if anger is an emotion and you, 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 you're feeling anger, right? the issue is not that you felt it in the first place, it's what you need to do with those feelings. That's where we have the ability to, to walk into sin or righteousness. The emotion of anger, I'll say this again, is not sin. It's what you do with it that can be sin. It's what you do with it that can be upright and righteous and be productive or counterproductive or even destructive. I want to be very clear today because we're talking about anger. We're talking about moments when you actually need to be angry. But I want to make a disclaimer today because Sometimes there can be confusion around this. If you are watching today and you're in a situation where you have a roommate or a spouse that, that, that struggles with anger and you find yourself in violent or abusive situations, do not hear what I'm saying today 
as, as, a, as a condition for which you should stay put. If you are in a dangerous situation, get out. And if you don't know how to get out, I want to encourage you to call the number that you see on the screen right now. 1-800-33-HAVEN. And let's take some steps to get you in a place where, where you're safe. I've mentioned it before, and you're going to hear me mention it several times. Anger is a God-given emotion. In fact, it's a good thing to feel anger at times. But that does not mean that God is, is like Zeus, right? Sitting on Mount Olympus or some big cloud with a giant thunderbolt. And he's waiting for you to just misstep so he can strike you down because he's just, you know, this, the God of fury who's waiting for your next mistake. You need to erase this kind of image from your mind. But understand something that we see God, yes, getting angry in the Bible, right? We see at different times God being angered over injustice, we see God angered over corruption and people being taken advantage of. We see God stirred to anger over abuse. We see him stirred to anger over idolatry. When people just reject him and, 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 and attribute goodness and faithfulness to some false, wooden, lifeless God that stirs God right to a place of anger. Our sin does the same. Now, if God is moved to anger, and we're called to be like God, to be holy because God is holy, the Bible says. Well, if God feels the emotion of anger, does that not also then mean that there are times when we should feel anger as well? I think it does. In fact, I was talking to my kids this morning, right? The average person feels anger eight to ten times a day. Right now, my kids, their minds were blown. Well, they're like, there's no way I get angry that much. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, when somebody's playing with that toy and you want it, what do you feel? Anger. That's exactly right. Oh, somebody ate the last Pop Tart and you didn't get it. How do you feel? Mad. That's exactly right. It, it took about four seconds for them to realize that 10 is most likely a conservative estimate for how many times we feel anger on a regular basis. The Bible talks about anger, and it, it is the second most talked about emotion in all of the Scripture. So anger is a normative thing, yet somehow in our minds, we attribute it only to this wrathful experience, this wrathful moment. But anger, uh, many times it's, it is a secondhand emotion, meaning it is the result of something else that you're experiencing, pain, frustration, or hardship. And it can produce wonderful, righteous action. It can be a display of the character of God, His righteous anger over that which is not right. Injustice, pain, hardship. Ephesians chapter 4 says it like this. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. He's talking about the church. We've got to be honest with one another, he says. In your anger, do not sin. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. 
Now, if you're reading this, you you may not know Paul is quoting uh, King David from Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4 says, Be angry, David pens, and don't sin. And ponder in your own hearts on your own beds and be silent. This is what Paul is, is connecting the dots to. David is being falsely accused and literally hunted. His very life is on the line. And his, his fellow men, his soldiers, his boys, his guys are willing to take matters into their own hands. And in this psalm, he's appealing to them and he's saying, be angry, but don't sin. In other words, don't let this thing take you to a course of action that you're going to regret, that's going to lead to uh, unrighteousness, that will display a lack of God's character. In fact, go ponder about this. Sit down for a minute. Think about it in your own heart. And don't sin. Be silent. Today, I want to talk to you. I'm going to give you four things. They're important for us to know about anger. One of them at the end is is literally just practical living tips. And I've already mentioned one. Anger is a God-given emotion. Mark chapter 4, excuse me, Mark chapter 3, verse 4. We see Jesus having an encounter here. He's talking to the teachers of the law, those who are supposed to represent God in all that they do. All that they teach. These are like pastors. Okay, Is it lawful, Jesus says, to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? What's the right thing to do on the Sabbath? But all these people kept silent, the Bible says. Nobody answers Jesus. Verse 5, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. We see Jesus himself throughout the scriptures. We see encounters where where God is angry or people of God get angry. Sometimes they handle it right. Sometimes they don't. We see Moses misstepping on more than one occasion as he's trying to manage anger. We see Jesus demonstrating how you can be angry and yet also not sin. He's angry in his heart. He's grieved over what he's seeing. And that grief, that pain is producing anger. One of the marks of maturity that I am I'm convinced is, an ev- is evidence of, of people growing is when anger is no longer simply stirred up because of inconvenience or frustration in your own experience, but when you find yourself stirred and moved emotionally on behalf of somebody else. Here the teachers of the law, they can't even answer a simple question on whether it's a good thing to heal somebody with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, what, what, you guys, you are missing this. Not only are you personally missing it, you're representing the the father heart of God in a wrong way to all these people. And I'm upset about it. It's understandable. That's a right response. When we talk about anger, it's, it's, It's unhealthy to be angry about everything. 
But it's also unhealthy to be angry about nothing. If God feels anger about certain things, then we should feel anger about certain things. And there are some of you, you know you're in this boat where the, you know, it's, <laughs> it doesn't take much and you're angry about it. Right? And you find yourself on that spectrum where you probably are outside the bounds and that you're getting mad too much. But there are also people who, who don't get angry at all. Nothing bothers them. And while you know, there's a measure of that that can be good, understand something. We should be stirred. When we see injustice or corruption or abuse, this should move us. When we see sin representing God, in a way that is not characteristic of him. This should, this should do something inside of us. In your anger, don't sin. You'll notice Paul doesn't say never feel anger. He doesn't say that. He just says well, when you are, don't let it lead to this. I'll give you another example so that you just understand. Some of this is from spending time on staff with somebody who, who's a counselor at one of our previous churches. If I were to take a hammer and I were to hit my finger with it, as I, if I was doing work with a hammer, which I don't do, I try to avoid those kinds of things. <laughs> but if I were to hit my finger with my hammer, you know what it would feel? I would feel pain. In fact, I'd be mad about it. If you were at my house, I probably would howl and you know, maybe kick something in the garage, right? Not saying that's a great response, but it's a normal response. If you hit your finger with a hammer, it produces pain. In fact, there are people who don't have proper nerve endings, and actually, it's a very dangerous situation in that if they did hit their finger with a hammer, they wouldn't feel pain. We would understand that that is not normative. And in the same way with anger, anger is an emotion. You cannot change the fact that you feel a certain way, but you can change what you do with those feelings. In your anger, in the emotion that you have, don't let it lead to sin. In the course of, you know, Fair amount of years in ministry. We've been in different cities and different states, pastoring and leading churches. It's been a privilege to do it, but you, you find yourself in some hard situations sometimes. One of the scenarios, you know, Amy and I were in, we're sitting down with a family and, and we were breaking the news that one of the spouses had been unfaithful and had been for close to two years. It's heartbreaking. And when you, when you, when you hear the news as a spouse that something like this has happened, your first emotional response is that of shock. And God actually has designed your body to do that. He's designed it so that you, you have a protective emotional mechanism, right? But then your body begins to cycle through emotions as the, as the news you know, begins to catch up. And one of the normative, healthy responses at such an injustice and pain and hardship is Anger. It is a right thing in this moment to be angry about what you are experiencing and what has been done to you. It is also a normative response as somebody who is friends with XYZ to be angry, yes, even on their behalf because of what has happened to them. But in your anger, don't let it lead to sin. 
It's a healthy and normative thing for you to feel anger. The problem that we have is that many times we are angry over all the wrong things, and we're not angry over the right things. We mix the two up. And so this morning, here's even as we get into some of the practical living aspects of what to do with this emotion that's stirred up inside of you, here, here are just some things to keep in mind. Right? If you're never stirred to, to a, a disposition of anger on behalf of somebody else and what they've experienced, right? Jesus' anger over the hardness of heart that the Pharisees had. And one of the things that you may need to do is check your own heart and see if you have not grown uh, apathetic towards other people. If you find yourself just cold and hard-hearted, as we see in the Bible, this actually, you're not feeling anger, but, uh, but God might literally be stirred uh, at anger because of the, the hardness of heart that you have towards other people. You should be stirred at times, not over everything. Good grief. I think we can all agree that our culture right now would love for you to be angry all the time. So, yes, there are times where you just need to walk away from the news or you need to walk away from whatever it is that you're watching or engaging with that's leaving you stirred up all the time because that's not healthy either. But if the only disposition that you have as it pertains to anger is for uh, uh, people who vote a certain way, right? People who, who think a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way, this is not a healthy outpouring of righteous anger. And this is where we need to spend time in the presence of God and get God's eyes and heart for the people around us so that we can have a righteous anger over what we need to be angry about and that we can see with God's eyes and see and feel with God's heart over the things that we don't need to be angry about. Let's keep going. It's a lot this morning. I'm aware of that. <laughs> this could have been its own four-part uh, sermon series. Um, but I wanted to come back on, on, on this 1 Corinthians 13 series and understand that there are times where anger is a healthy emotion. There are plenty of times where it's the right thing uh, to feel in a certain situation. And this morning, just so you know, this isn't, we don't have great line-by-line text to just read through. Right? This is what we call a message on practical living, applying the wisdom and the totality of Scripture to your life. So number three, uh, it's important for you to know that anger never stays put. It doesn't stay put. It always leaks in or it leaks out. Another way to say this is that there's a difference between feeling anger and letting anger rule over you. Don't let anger rule your heart. It will do something. Anger is going somewhere. It's either going further in or it's going to leak out around the people around you. Proverbs 16.32, the writer here, is he's talking about how to live a wise life. He says, he who is slow to anger is better than a warrior. And he who controls his temper is greater than one who captures a city. Okay, that's an amazing description. This is what it's like. He who's slow to anger. We just talked about how there are times where you need to be angry. 
But even in these moments, may we be the kind of people who pause and have reservation and also don't allow this emotion of anger to take over and rule you. Hope that's making sense to you today. Ephesians 4, 26, Paul writes, he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, anger needs to be dealt with promptly. There is a measure of... You want to be slow in letting this thing, you know, come to fruition. And also, once you do feel it and you're at a place where you recognize, okay, I'm upset by this, you want to do something about it rather than just letting it sit. Here's what this looks like. Verse 26, back to Ephesians. Uh, Verse 29, excuse me. Paul is giving us now some practical admonition on on what this looks like. It's like a teeter-totter. Hey, you know what? Uh, In your anger, don't sin. Here's what it looks like to not sin when you're angry. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. (laughs) When you're angry, what do you want to do? Should bleepity bleep, 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 okay? Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Is this not how we feel when anger sits in our soul? Again, anger doesn't stay put. It's either going to go further in or it's going to come out. And what happens when it stays put and in is it, it turns into bitterness. We don't know what to do with what we feel. Be kind and compassionate to one another. It's a tall order sometimes. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. A couple weeks ago, I received a Facebook message. And and thankfully, not anybody in our church, not anybody that even lives in the state of Georgia. But somebody that I had known, walked with for some time. And when you've given your life to ministry and preaching and teaching, and you get told, you know, that you're no longer following God with what you're teaching or that you're a false prophet, from somebody that you like, love, have a relationship with, that hurts, right? I thought I dealt with that. (laughs) And... I'm sitting, we have, we have baseball each week, you know, and uh, after our baseball game, we were at the grocery store, and I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I'm drifting, just scrolling on Facebook, you know, and, and all of a sudden, I see a post from somebody, that person who had privately messaged me and kind of lit me up, and all of a sudden, I felt that thing inside of me. I was mad all over again. And yet, I had dealt with it promptly, right, three weeks or four weeks prior. When I say that I was mad three weeks or four weeks prior, I had to go walk this thing off, right? I had to cool down. I was mad. Amy does a great job. My wife, you know, she she does a great job. She says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're right. I am a man of God, a man of righteousness. I've been called by God. I am a pastor, a preacher of truth and righteousness who I am. 
okay, that's right. I'm not that. But then I had to deal with it again. Here we are three, four weeks later, and all of a sudden I'm angry again. And so I, I didn't recognize it, though. That's the thing. I, I, I scroll through, and oh, it's a little blip on my radar. But then all of a sudden I find myself tense. I find myself kind of mad and short-tempered. And, and it, 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 you can tell something has happened. And I recognize, you know what? I saw this, and it, it, it just it left something inside of me. And I've got to deal with it. What does the Bible say? Don't let, your, don't let, your, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Now, there are some times and situations where that is unavoidable. But for the most part, if you can deal with it promptly, deal with it promptly. Sometimes that means that you're going to need to communicate and have a conversation with somebody. And in other situations, it looks like you going to the throne room of heaven and getting God's heart for people. So I'm literally, Amy's laying in bed, right? I'm reading a book like on my Kindle and I'm trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden I'm like, I can't go to sleep right now. I got to deal with this. So I sat on the edge of my bed. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you have forgiven me. And so it's my responsibility to forgive others. Who am I to not do for others what you have done for me? And so God, this wasn't right. And you know what? It's okay, Heavenly Father, that I feel angry about this. But I'm also giving it to you. I refuse to cave to bitterness. I'm, I am yielding this. My heart has no place for this. Here it is, God. I'm choosing to forgive and I'm choosing to let go. Thank you that that person probably means well, probably doesn't even know that, that I'm sitting up at night bothered by this. Lord, you're in charge. I'm giving it to you. Do what you need to do with. Justice is in your hands, not mine. And I went to bed and had a sound night of sleep. <laughs> this is what it looks like. And I'd like to tell you that I get this right all the time. Many times I don't. Many times you don't. But this is the wrestle, right? There are things to be angry about. And let that fuel you towards action, defending the cause of those who are in, in, in uh, situations where they are experiencing pain and hardship or uh, corruption, abuse, whatever the situation might be. Let your heart be stirred to godly and righteous action. I can't answer what that looks like for you in every situation, but let it compel you to be somebody who doesn't just sit on the sidelines but gets engaged and involved in the lives of people because you love them. And then there are other times, right, where anger, it's, it's so ingrained and somebody has done something to you and it's hurt and you have to wrestle with how you feel on the inside. It's not wrong that you feel a certain way. But now in your anger, don't let it turn to sin. We take it to God. We bring it to him. We lay it at his feet. That's what it looks like to begin to manage anger. Some of you might have challenges that, are, that warrant seeing a counselor or a therapist because it's just beyond the scope of you being able to just have any measure of management. That's okay. Do that. Get the help that you need. Let it produce action. Now, I mentioned this at the beginning of the message, but here, 
Here's where we're going to... I want to give you two very practical tips. It was one. Now I'm giving you two. The second one's free. Okay? On just how... You're going to get angry. Okay? (laughs) In fact, you're going to get angry about things that you shouldn't get angry about as well. That's life. That is reality. I'd like to tell you that, that as a Christian, you can guard your heart in such a way that you're never angry about dumb things. But you're going to be. You're going to get in fights with your roommate. You're going to get in fights with your spouse and your fiance or the person on your baseball team or whatever it is that you're doing. It's going to happen. So what do you do when it does happen and you find yourself just angry? Okay. First and foremost, Paul, he says, don't give the devil a foothold. And for some of you, that means avoiding things that you just need to walk away from and avoid because you know it's going to be a trap and a snare for you. At our house, we have video games. We've got four kids, and all of them love to play it. But one of the things that is not permitted in our home is to lose your junk over video games. You cannot lose your temper over it. And if you do, you will be taking a break from video games because it's giving the enemy a foothold into the heart of the people in my home. The same goes for me. Right? That means the news, I already mentioned that, video games, whatever it might be, if you know you have a tendency to get angry, well, you may need to limit what that interaction looks like. That's just one helpful tip in avoiding falling into the pit of being angry all the time. If you know there are things that just are weaknesses for you, try to avoid them. But then here's, here's another one. Um, you're going to get angry. This is, this is going to help for roommates and, and spouses, uh, hopefully a lot today. One of the things that's helpful to do in managing through highly emotive situations is to try to remove emotion from the equation. So as a finance nerd like I am, uh, sometimes assigning numerical value to things is actually very helpful in, in, in getting everyone on the same page with communication. You understand this from, from a car perspective. If you're driving a car anywhere from zero to 100 miles an hour, and if, if you're going around a curve, many times you see you know, the curve has a little sign on the side of the road that says, hey, slow down, sharp curve. And the reason that's the case is trying to navigate your car at 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour around a turn is very difficult to do without damaging or wrecking your car or or hurting the person coming in ongoing traffic. So when it comes to anger and getting in a fight, sometimes it's helpful to understand how fast you're going. And so giving your roommate or your spouse permission to ask you how fast you're going in this engagement is very helpful at understanding how to navigate the turns. So if you're, re- if you're just hot and mad, but your spouse doesn't necessarily know, one of the things you can do is say, you know what, uh, how, how fast are you driving right now? 80. Okay, well, what would you do if you're coming into a sharp turn at 80 miles an hour? You'd slow down, wouldn't you? You'd hit the brakes. You'd do everything you can to slow down so that you can manage this turn healthy and properly. And that might mean you taking a walk. It might mean you taking a breath, coming back to the conversation in a few minutes. 
This is what it looks like. If you can remove the emotion from the conversation so that you can have healthy communication, your ability to get on the same page and move forward is that much higher. Give your friends, your roommate, your spouse permission to ask, how fast are you going? Because it helps you get on the same page. This is one way that you can take the wisdom of the gospel and not destroy the relationships in your life. That was free. Guys, we want to love like Jesus loves. We want to have the emotions of Christ, and we want to have the emotions of literally God the Father. That's all the things we talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, but it also includes anger. But in that anger, let, it, let our hearts be angry about the right things and not angry about the wrong things. Let's have the heart of God the Father today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together. I pray that you would help us see with your eyes, to feel with your heart, and to understand what it looks like to have anger, righteous anger, over the things that stir your heart. Help us to let go of the things that don't matter. And Lord, when we just find ourselves stuck or in a trap, Lord, help us to literally just walk in wisdom with one another, to get on the same page, to communicate well, that our relationships might be a, a, a picture of the gospel of love and forgiveness for one another. Lord, we love you and worship you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Ladies and gents, great being here with you today. Hope this has blessed you. Have a great Sunday. And we will see you in person next Sunday at the Historic Church. And if you're watching online, we will be streaming that morning as well. So we will see you online uh, as well. Can't wait.